I do have a picture of Wes standing next to a full cutout of Kelsey Grammer. So, oh. you know. I thought you were going to say William Shatner. No, no. When we went to Boston, we went to Cheers and there was That's like a fun. Kelsey Grammer cutout. That's so we took super pictures. fun. I think I must have been drinking because I was like grabbing his crotch and stuff. You know how I get. <laughs> you're you know? like that. You're like that less when you drink. You're more when you don't drink. It seems. <laughs> God, really? You saying I'm more grabby when I'm sober? <laughs> Shoot. Dang it. It's office hours with me, Chris. Oh, here we go. The show that has no reason, no purpose. Shouldn't even be going right now. I got other things to do, but I'm here in my office. I told you the door would be open, so here I am. I got my damn door open. Brent's here. Hey, Brent. Hi. I hey. just let myself in. I yeah, well, okay. you brought Jeff with you, too. Hey, Jeff. Well, hello. Hey, buddy. Nice to have you here. Both of you staying here right here is at the studios. Little did I do. No, I know. I show up to do a show, and you're already here sitting in the seat, so I guess you're joining me on the episode today. You're might welcome. As, might as well. Uh, to your credit, you did make me a fish taco before we started, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, I love you, buddy. Yeah, you 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 love through your food, and I love eating that food. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a great relationship. Yeah, it is. It works out really well. Someone's and, winning. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to who did some winning this week here. But uh, before we go, I want to mention we got a couple of things that are going on right now in the Jupiter broadcasting space in the orbit of Jupiter. You could say things that we should talk about. Because there's just a limited time. Hmm. Is it even worth mentioning the meetup? Because by the time you're hearing this, it's already happening. We'll be at the 192 Brewing Company in Mount Vernon, Washington on Saturday, March 5th, hanging out around 4 p.m., drinking beers with the audience Mm. to celebrate Linux Unplugged 500. That's exciting. I'm super excited about that. I feel like it's been too long. Have you been here with me? You point at it every single time I'm in town and Uh we've never been. And I always say, that's the place I hope never dies. Yep. I love that it's here, Mm -hmm. but we just don't have time to go right now. It's true. And so I thought, well, what could I do since I never get down there? What could I do to make sure this company doesn't go away? Because I love it. I thought, let's have a meetup. So it's a little thing. Meetup.com slash jupes broadcasting. Let's go see how many people, how many people have signed up. I think we're up to like 17 or so. Oh no, I said there'd be like five people. I know, you promised it'd be small, but. Yeah, although this is a plenty of space at the venue actually. We could take, I mean, we could probably have hundreds actually. It's a huge space. So that's no bigs, but I got to go look right now because, um, I don't know, I'm getting excited. Although we may have a snowstorm that prevents it from happening, but uh, we'll see. Oh my goodness, the number is in, it's updated, and it is 22. Whoa. Wow, that's exciting. That's it. That is, because I thought it'd be five. Um, well, five is like the JB crew and, and Jeff, but that's pretty much. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yes. Huh. God damn it, it's great. Let's make it 30. Meetup.com slash <laughs> Let's go. We got the space, bro. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Also, while it's in stock, we have pre-bought a, a batch of them, and we're selling them until they're gone. The Coda Robe at JupiterGarage.com. Is that what it is? Double check that URL, jupitergarage.com. There's a robe over there. Pretty soon there, there may be other things over there as well, including uh, the the tactical ready coder tumbler. Ready for your beverages to keep it cool with a anti-tip design at jupitergarage.com. Go check it out. Confirmed. Jupitergarage.com. Yep. yep. Will you have some of these extra at the meetup to sell in person? Ooh. I don't have them here. So oh. it's good and bad. One of the things that we've done differently this round with the robes and the uh, tumbler and the sticker for Coder 500 is we have them actually shipping out of a facility instead of shipping out of here. And how has that gone? Well, the, 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 the pro, the advantage is that they ship out, like, if, depending if you're in the States, you get it like within three days. Oh, that's awesome. The con is we don't control the shipping costs. We don't know what the shipping costs are. So it's like, if you live in the in the Arctic or something like that, it's like $130 to get, to get it shipped. So that, but that's, that's the part that sucks. And then the other thing that kind of sucks is we don't have boxes of them here for better or for worse. You know, I can't just like grab one or two. Um, you need to make yourself an order. Yeah. I have to, I have to order it and they have to ship it to me, <laughs> which is just sort of ironic. Yeah. And I haven't done that yet. And I'm, I just don't have time because you know, like I'll get around to it, but then you know what happens is we sell out of them. And I, even myself, even I will not be able to get any more. I am never doing these robes again. So. Well, I heard this before. 
No, 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 no. You know, it's like, it's like if you get, if you're in a relationship with a crazy person <laughs> and then like you get out of that relationship and you go, oh, what was I thinking? And then you get back in that relationship again and it's great for a couple of days. And then you realize, what was I thinking? And then you really commit to never getting back in that. And then you really never, you stick to it. That's what I'm doing. I'm sticking to it. I'm never getting back into a rogue relationship again. JupiterGarage.com. Uh, check it out. Do we know how many are left? Like, what's the sense of urgency at this point? Um, I, I gotta, we gotta be over the 70% sold line, okay. at least. Yeah. So get to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's coming, Brent. It's coming. So we are doing a little bit of a mini sprint this week. So many projects going on here. Too many. Too many. It, we have multiple lists. <laughs> I know Jeff has a list. Well, he has, I think, multiples. I got we'll a list. One main I one. got a list. Chris has a list in his hand. That's, plus. That's we, a different list than you were using the other day. Plus, we got a list written on a piece of torn cardboard out in the garage. That's true. I stopped taking a list because it just kept changing so many times that I couldn't really keep track. And yeah. uh, so I'm just leaning on you both. We got lists. Uh-huh. We got a lot of projects going on. Um, I mean, that's sort of the spirit of a sprint, right? Right? So they say. So they say. And we had an interesting opportunity and situation happen yesterday here in uh, real time. So we're recording this. You, you'll hear this at the end of the week, friends. But we're actually recording this um, on Tuesday, the 28th. And yesterday, on Tuesday, the 20th, or on Monday, the 27th, uh, I got a note from uh, my buddy Mike that he wasn't able to do Coda Radio and that he needed to go in and get checked out, which, uh, I don't know, man. We're still thinking about it. We don't, mm-hmm. we hope he's doing okay. Yeah. So we had to hit pause on Coda Radio. Couldn't record Coda Radio yet. And uh, all of a sudden I just had a huge, big old like three hour window. Gap in your schedule? Yeah. It's, what? It's so nice. Sometimes when that happens, just cause like, oh, I didn't plan to have this. So what should we do? And uh, so I had about three hours or so, two hours, really, after we kind of thought, talked about stuff and thought, what could we do? And we realized we should really probably take care of our buddy Brent's breaks because they were not in the best shape. That's kind of you to say it that way. Yeah, right? They were awful. You knew they were, you knew they were problematic. I left a day later from my place. I, I drove here for, what is it, 10-hour drive? Uh I left a day later because I was worried about them. So I kind of took them apart a little just to have a look. And they were quite bad. Like no pads left on one side. The other side seemed fine, which is odd. Personally, so I fine, thought really. maybe I Not can. Not 100% fine. The other side was one pad was working and one pad wasn't. So well, you really, you had like 30% braking up front. <laughs> it's an old car. Yeah. yeah. So I thought maybe I could just get here and then we could deal with it. And yeah. so I think yeah, yeah. yesterday was our opportunity. Right. I mean, Jeff's mechanically inclined. You're mechanically inclined. I'm, mechan- I'm mechanically learning slowly. And we thought, well, let's take a look at it. See if we can't solve it. So that way our buddy Brent, when it is time to go back, we'll be good to go. But one of the things we wanted to start with before we dug into the brakes and we dug into anything else is we thought, you know, you got to get the basics done. So let's start with an oil change. So since Coder's been canceled, we've got a couple of hours. Let's do an oil change. How hard could it be? How long could that possibly take? Well, we learned. The extractor is live. We're doing an oil change oh, for Brent. God. So much work. We're making Brent do it, obviously. You're probably good now, man. You're probably good. Suction will. Yeah, yeah. The oh. suction effect is good now. You're <laughs> Appreciate the hard work, though. Yeah, and so that should just slowly but surely. We'll see. No, it's oh, there. here we go. It's there. You know what? Yeah, I think you better keep going. You better keep going the whole time, Brent. You better. Yeah. It's exercise and an oil change. <laughs> now, we wanted to try the extractor method. New approach for us. Jeff, you were kind of skeptical the entire time. Yep. You're like, just take the bolt off and drain the oil. Yep. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you see, I wanted to try my new extractor, but it was busted. Well, and, we didn't realize that. Well, not until after we were you pumped denial. about 200 times. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, you got the fancy one with all these features and it seems like one of those features, which we took the thing apart and tried to solve, we could never really yeah. solve it. And yeah. I've used one of these before. I know Jeff used, you've yep. used an extractor quite a few times. Yep. And they're fairly simple devices, but yeah. for some reason we just couldn't get it uh, well, to behave. Well, couldn't hold a suction. Well. And if it can't hold a suction, it can't suck the oil out of the engine. So, uh, man, that was really frustrating. But we thought, okay, this is fine. I mean, what? Well, big, no big deal. It's an oil change, and maybe we need to clean the brakes. Well, there are two projects going on at the same time. You and I are cleaning my brakes because they are absolutely filthy. 
And then Jeff is working on my oil change, so he's putting the drain plug back in. Yes. And but instead of him just muscling through it, I gave him the torque value. And you got a new torque wrench. Yeah, it's so a gift. I've never used it, but it's digital. It's digital, and I've never used a digital one. I have this kind of old mechanical one, a click style. But Which, we're gonna try yours. I mean, let's be honest. The old mechanical one is probably the way to go, but well, we're just know. curious how the digital one works, right? We should right? compare them. Yeah. I, I felt a little skepticism from Jeff in particular over there on the digital torque wrench. Brent and I are like, let's see how it goes. Let's put the batteries in the torque wrench and dial it on the digital display. But Jeff, I don't think you were feeling the vibes, man. My main issue was it was it's rather small yeah. compared to every other torque wrench I've used. Yeah. The digital part's fine, uh, but the, the physical size of it, I just didn't know if it would actually get the torque value, and it did. <laughs> yeah. It was it's not a huge amount of torque for that uh, for that bolt, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know I just like that I just like hearing that nice click of a good torque wrench. He loves the click. Yeah. Boom, and then so the way it'll it'll Brent, do you remember the sequence? <laughs> yeah, right. It has a certain sequence. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Green light blinking. Green light blinking means keep going. You're, okay. you're within 80%. Yep. Oh. And then uh, solid green light is 95.5%. You got no, it. Yep. There's because no 100. Definitely see it while you're under a car it beeps. at a bad it angle. Beeps. It, it beeps. beeps too. But you'll see the flash in LED, bro. It's fine. We believe in you. No, I'll have to go with this crush washer. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. It's big. It's bulky. That, that's what I noticed. There we go. Okay, we should be getting close. Don't strip it. Oh, I'm doing. It's the torque read. If it strips, it's the torque branch is bad. <laughs> going. We're at 25. 27. 28. Ah. Okay. Warmer. Ed. I mean, that's that's more than what it says. So it's beeping at like 39. Oh, we're going to 37, right. Yeah. 37. Yeah, well, it's because letting you know you're getting close. Don't get crazy, bro. You Sometimes you go crazy. I think you're close. It's close. There oh, is. there it is. There that's is. cool, though. <laughs> that, I mean, it, you know, for an idiot like me, that's actually kind of nice. I like to feel it. I like to feel the click. You know, Chris, this is a good thing because actually I looked at mine. I was going to compare and mine doesn't even go up that high <laughs> <laughs> okay great well then the test was successful <laughs> there was not always the right tool for the job we tried it happens when we're traveling and i don't have the right sets of tools uh we did a couple of runs over to the auto parts store too many just picked they up got some to know parts as well and, there yeah 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 and uh, one of the th- one of the times we were just going through we were like should we grab an air filter while we're doing all this stuff? Because we we kept just finding different little things here and there, coolant leak, <laughs> an oil so leak. And, that is what it is, right? It all ha- it happens to all of us. And so we're like, well, maybe we should consider picking up an air filter. And, you know, that's an easy enough job. So I took that one on. To say there's been some project scope creep would be an understatement at this point. Uh, I'm now swapping out Brent's air filter, and I turned over the air filter to the intake side, and this is what I found. Brent, I got to show this to you. Okay. First of all, I'm very impressed that you wrote the date Thanks. on your air filter. Yeah. That makes it really easy well, to tell. Well, I've done this before and have wished I had it. So, so the side going to the engine looks pretty good. Yeah. But the intake side. Oh, there's a, like a mouse in there. Or a squirrel. <laughs> like a squirrel got no, into it, Brent. No, that's a mouse size. <laughs> well. That's a pretty big hole. It might be squirrel size. That's not good. That's crazy. I'm glad we're replacing your air filter, dude. I'm really, I, you know what? Sometimes a little bit of scope creep is a good thing. Oh, it turns out that air filter material just makes for great nesting. It was kind of warm. I, I shoved a little in my gloves. Yeah, it's nice. It's cozy. Yeah, we got to come up with like a, a mesh screen for your air intake or something on that one. But that was one of the funnier finds. Well, and Chris, the funny thing is... This is not the first time it happens because when I put that air filter in with the, you know, how yeah. I had the nice date on it and everything, yeah. the filter I took out had the exact same problem, actually a little worse because I think, I don't know. The critters where you live are just desperate to find somewhere that's warm and cozy. And highly intelligent, clearly. Yeah. Well, once they figure it out, then the others can smell the, the history. Yeah. Um, but you know, it feels like we were just finding little things, like little, little, little itty bitty things that we could fix to just make the drive a little better, a little safer for you. So, you know, we thought it would just be two hours of work, but 10 hours later, we realized we were still going. So let's see. It is, uh, 7 PM. We started at 9 AM. We don't have wheels on either end. The car hovers. Yeah. However, I, I gotta say. 
you know, uh, we've we've added coolant. We've topped off the oil. We fixed a coolant leak, and we have brand new brake calipers and rotors and pads <laughs> and brake fluid flushed. Whoa, that's insane. Look at us. <laughs> it is a lot that's of stuff. Impressive. That's a lot of stuff. Wow. I, I, you know what I'm really proud of, too? Hmm? We took the thing for a test drive, made sure everything looked good, made sure everything sounded good, gave it the real treatment, and then it was down to, like, polishing off the niceties. Yeah. Oh, hi there. Now we're down to the fine touches. It's about 8.30 at night. We started about 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it was 11 and a half hour day. we channeled some moose energy and got her done. And now we've got, I mean, quite a bit, really brand new brakes, calipers, pads, brake fluid flush on both the front tires. That's fantastic. It looks like they're great. New rotors as well. Oil topped off. Oil yeah. filter. Oil. New oil, oil filter. No, oil changed. Air filter. Yeah. Oil changed. Right. And topped off now after we've driven a little bit. Coolant topped off. Coolant leak potentially fixed. Yeah. New air filter that, uh, yes, did potentially have a visitor living in there, but that's been replaced now, and I think it's better than ever. <laughs> right? It feels like it. And we've even test-driven. <laughs> We're just finessing things now, like greasing hatches. <laughs> Can you believe it? it just took all day. Yeah, that's all. So now I know when you guys say something will take us about two hours, I know kind of what to expect. Was I said it was going to take us two scope hours. scope cream. Yeah, like yeah. just a subtle amount of scope creep. But every time we took something off to fix one thing, something else just fell apart. It's a Canadian car. <laughs> yeah, we were dealing with an international vehicle after all. Okay, Nev. All right, so I want to give you a chance to tell the guys and me what we did wrong. Jump in because I know we're going to get this a thousand times oh, over. Yeah. So, okay. So the oil dra- drain plug. You guys use the torque wrench on it. Yeah, yeah. Tor- I mean, it has a specified torque value. Okay, so. On most modern cars, the, the oil pan is actually made out of aluminum, which is a real light and flexible material. And uh, when you're torquing a uh, drain plug into a, into the oil pan, you only have about three or four threads worth worth for the bolt. And realistically, all you need, need it to do is to not leak. So you actually don't need to torque it at all. In fact, you might have actually done more harm than good. You know, I assume that the specified manufacturer's torque value would take all of that into account. And <laughs> you, <that's, hope. laughs> you know, the, the engineer's perspective is to, to use the value that they suggest because presumably they've Uh-oh. tested it with this, these materials, no? They would, but they also calibrate their torque wrench differently from what ha- how your torque wrench would be calibrated. Oh, he's throwing shade at your digital torque wrench, Chris. Hey. They're also crush <sighs> so washers. Jeff. I got used to it. Yeah, so, um, Jeff did the same, actually. Yes. Nev, I think I think you're in Jeff's territory of just like, you know, with experience, you know that it's aluminum. And yeah, yeah. If you strip yeah. one and you've ever replaced one, which I have, so w- it's we, uh, not good. We should back up, though, because it doesn't actually come with a bolt. Your your car, right? Doesn't it? It comes with the crush. It comes with a different. Oh, I understand. Yeah. So my particular car, which we haven't mentioned yet, is a 2004 uh, Pontiac Vibe, which is similar to the Toyota Matrix, which is the only reason I'm keeping it. Um it comes with a drain plug that features a crush washer that needs to be replaced every single time that yeah. you change the oil, which yeah. um, this is maybe the first time that I've had crush washers on hand to replace. <laughs> so I came prepared, but you don't want to crush those too much because then they don't do what they're supposed to, which is seal the oil in, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a delicate balance. Is it a plastic or aluminum crush washer? Jeff? I think it was plastic, isn't it? No, it wasn't plastic. Oh, um, okay. It was Seemed like two very thin pieces of brass. Mine is plastic. Something in the middle. Okay. Uh, you can actually get an aluminum one, and uh, you can actually reuse that one. Ah, that's nice. Or just get the whole bolt that, you know. Well, let's redo uh, it, guys. Yeah, so I was just Delron, too. The, the Delron one works I, really good. I thought we could swap it out so quick. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. be fine. It'll be fine. Just a little bit of oil. Yeah. Just put well, a little solo cup down there. If we had your extractor, we can pull a little bit of pressure <laughs> okay. at the top. <laughs> all right. All right. So the extractor, what a disappointment that was. You know, the whole dr- the dream of the extractor was you throw it in, you do a quick oil change. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm crushed. Mm. Crushed about the extractor. Especially because you said you looked at all the reviews and everything. And this People was love the this unit one. to get. People right? love this one. <laughs> I think we got a defective one. That's what I think. Well, maybe. I think ours is just defective. Yeah. Or we are. No, it leaks. It, it leaks. So at the end of the day, though, learned a lot. So thank you both for that. 
But it, it also, it's one of those things that uh, projects that you think will just take a little bit of time. And it doesn't matter if it's a technical one or a physical one. You think they'll take X amount of time mm. and they always just take so, so much longer. I, I feel like that's a general rule for those of us who like to tinker into unknown territory. <sighs> oh, man. Sick of it, dude. I just want, I want quick wins. I want quick, easy wins. Is that so awful? Linode.com slash Jupiter. Let's go check it out right now. Everybody go over to Linode.com slash Jupiter. Brent, I see you taking a sip. I've gone already. Oh my goodness, you better. I automate this stuff. All right, good. So let's talk about Linode. Linode is the easiest way for you to get something up in the cloud that runs on a Linux box that you have the control of that's going to be fast, reliable, and have fantastic support. And the dashboard is such that if you've been deploying, racking and stacking, you like that? For 20 years? Maybe more. Guess what? No probs. Linode has got a UI that's going to be usable and accessible to you. But if this is the first time you've ever deployed a server, you can do it. You you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, you know what I'm saying here. It's really it's really approachable. They've managed to really kind of strike that balance. That's a hard thing to do. That UI balance. It's not easy. They also have the Linode command line. You should try this thing. It's really cool. The Linode CLI tool. I bet you Wes uses the heck out of that thing. <sighs> Wes, you know what he probably does? He probably does some sort of web call to some sort of http endpoint that they have I, I don't even know you know or he's like doing stuff that i don't even know they could do it's just so obnoxious with that guy with the automations sometimes i think he's got my chat just piped into chat gpt you know <laughs> and he's got whisper running on linode these days and he's just transcribing stuff and then spitting it back at me training models and stuff i don't know what to do about it but you know what everybody can use linode however they want it's powerful it's not like these big old cloud duopolies that want to lock you into their super rigid horizontally scaling esoteric platforms it's not like that you can nuke and pave or you can just do a one-click deployment they've got a really really nice set of apps that you can just kind of click and get going really quick too everything from like back-end work infrastructure to things for like your personal life your kids your family yourself your datas your next clouds jeff your next clouds jeff's over there you know he's you know, just oh, yeah. he's got the next cloud drugs and i'm just like oh son oh son if you got next cloud drugs and you're not using Linode, I can't feel bad for you. I'm sorry. You got to go try it. <laughs> Linode.com slash Jupiter. Go get $100, support the show, and kick the tires. It's Linode.com slash Jupiter. You want to give us a little website update? Speaking of things that we run on Linode, you want to give us a little update skis on things going on with the website skis? Because you and I have been so busy that I have totally lost track of all this stuff. Well, I will admit, you and I have been so busy that I've also kind of lost track oh, good. of all this stuff. Good, good. So I have to say, uh, hey, El Rey, thank you for being amazing as usual. And despite being busy at home and all that stuff, just like um, keeping things afloat while we go missing for a bit. So El Rey, thank you. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of cruising through all the wonderful work that everyone's been doing there. Thank you to everyone who submitted PRs and got a bunch of ideas communicated um, and there's one in particular that i've been playing the long game on here oh it's true well chris you know you've been talking about graphene i mean graphene. thank you os yeah uh for quite a while now what it's been two months three months something like that uh what was it december well we kind of actually first started playing around with it when we went to sacramento right oh, wow that's true and but th- i i got a pixel i think january Oh, yeah. I think it was in January I decided in one of our episodes, Linux Unplugged, to slip in a little tag just to make sure we could find that episode properly. Oh, oh, you did. You put a sneaky tag in. A sneaky tag, yeah. And uh, I decided to make it the giraffe emoji Uh because I thought it was appropriate for the conversation (laughs) that we were having. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You see where this is going? Uh And I knew that it would likely break our website. Not so it's kind of like in, a bug test is what you're saying. You're well, kind of like, I got to keep the title up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In production too. You're doing kind of like some production QA. I see here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, sure enough, it did what I sort of expected, which is didn't quite work as expected. It turns out putting emoji giraffes <laughs> yeah. as tags is a little strange and maybe not something that was <laughs> necessarily Hugo was designed to do. I absolutely love the folks that help us with the website because there have been some amazing 
investigations as to why <laughs> this is the case. <laughs> now, it's not only giraffes. There was there were other issues. One of them was that whenever we had tags with spaces, uh, those weren't really working properly. They would oh. show up in the episode. But, That's something we started doing more and more commonly recently. Mm-hmm, but once you clicked on those, uh, it didn't actually bring you to the page you would expect. It would just give you the U- Unicorn 404 that we have in place, and that's not a really good thing. Well, also, I mean, that's a pretty great 404 page. What? It makes you feel good, yeah. but it doesn't get you where you were going. Also, tags like C-sharp with funny characters yeah, sure. in it weren't behaving properly. So Balistrong came in, community member, and uh, suggested, hey, I'm kind of new here, but I'm looking for new challenges, so I'm going to work on this one. And sure enough, they submitted a PR that solved most of those, except for the giraffe. And Balistrong says... uh, Gotta have the giraffe. The giraffe emoji has escaped just fine. The final URL is slash tags slash giraffe emoji, which I would say is uh, correct, but I can't even manually find the correct tag page. Why would you use an emoji as a tag anyways? Yeah, Brent. Well, because uh, it makes me happy, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was funny? Yeah. So, uh, Balistrong, thank you for solving most of the other reasonable issues with the tags. That was great. So that PR got merged. Okay. Which is, but we uh, still don't have the GRAF? Well, you know, then Alray came and said, hey, Actually, I'm going to look into this, too, because I know El Rey has a curiosity that he just can't help himself with. And uh, He might be a man that appreciates the GRAF. So he looked into it further, and uh, he said it just sort of silently fails, and the draft tags, just the page that's supposed to show all the draft tags, which actually there's more than one, i got to say, just never gets generated by Hugo. So it may, in fact, be an upstream issue. That we've discovered with the giraffe emoji, but we shall find out in time. We need a name for this. Is it giraffe gate? Is it, uh, is it the, the giraffe flaw? What is the, uh, we need a name for this, right? Cause we got to keep track of this. This is clearly an important subject that we must follow. G- giraffe nemo? It's a long neck issue. That's for sure. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think. Send us in what you think we should call this yeah, thing, and maybe, I'll, I'll maybe. change things to make sure the uh, appropriate issues if, get If renamed. you're looking for an excuse to boost in, uh, boost in a name for what we should call this giraffe bug that we clearly now need to track. It's an important open source issue. Uh, Dan suggests a uh, giraffe bleed. <laughs> bleed. I think we need, we, I don't know if heart bleed is, is heart bleed, nah, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's Well, it. we'll keep iterating. Yeah, let's keep iterating. Let's keep, I have an announcement to make. Do, 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 do. The Jupiter test signal feed, I'm killing it. Whoa. <laughs> dead. Yeah. You usually well, hesitate about these things, yeah, but you seem very sure about this one. You know, it did well the first week, I think. I think we only should have done it for one week. Ah. But everybody kind of seemed to lose interest in the third week. You, you know? You included or what? No. I mean, I did get really burned out on the old, like, manual work involved in, like, handcrafting the RSS feed and then mm. publishing it multiple three different times for a single episode and then all of that. But um, but it's the podcasting craftsmanship. I'm going to say, you know, the thing that really, and I'm not even kidding to put a nail in the coffin, we didn't get a single booster on mm. that feed. And that to me indicates that nobody was really checking it out anymore. Okay. And so if it's a big old pile of work, I'm not going to do it because what I want to do is integrate w- the lessons learned. And there were several good lessons learned into just how we generate our own RSS feeds now because I want to just, go for it and i don't want to have to manually create that in the meantime so we are going to kill the test signal feed keep the office hours feed going for now i thought i thought it'd be the other way around but no we're not quite there yet it's not time it's Mm. not time like i said earlier like projects are always bigger than i expected there's so many complexities involved and every time wes and i kind of really dig into it we kind of peel away at, at another thing that we have to kind of figure out and there's been some major infrastructure side decisions that we've come to a conclusion on, and then we've had time to think about it and talk about it some more, and then we've reversed the decision. It's just wow. been a lot. But the more we look at this, the more we see a future that doesn't probably involve Fireside. Probably involves us generating our own RSS feeds from whole cloth uh, through probably a whole series of 
extra bits of information that we'll start adding to our docs that will be used to generate the feeds that will be used to kind of replace what Fireside generates for us today, which means we're going to have to change things at the website level too. But in the kind of rough conversations that Wes and I have had, what we ultimately end up with, if we kind of see this vision all the way through, is kind of a website that can be generated entirely from the RSS feed, potentially. That's a neat concept. Yeah. So we could tear down the website and build it again from the feed, potentially, instead of the, and I don't know, we have to look at this because we have the scraper and all of that, but the idea would be that we sunset the fireside pages and we redirect like the Linux Unplugged and the officehours.hair domains to their sub-show pages on jupiterbroadcasting.com. And what instead of generating jupiterbroadcasting.com from what we post on Fireside, we generate it from the RSS feed. And so we would have a new series of things that we have to generate. There'd be the RSS feed, the transcript, and the videos. The video and the transcript take a lot longer to process than the MP3 yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. And we, of course, in there is the MP3 and stuff like that. So we would probably have to come up with a system that could publish the episode, especially for like the people that have the old podcasting 1.0 apps. Those, ugh. they don't even they don't care know about transcripts yeah. or any of, that stuff, any of that stuff. So we don't need to delay their release or whatever. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. And we don't need to delay in the 2.0 apps because with Podping, we can do quick updates. So uh, we will probably get the episodes out, get the website, everything it needs, and then we'll come along and behind the scenes, replace transcripts and chapter files and stuff like that when they're ready. But anyways, it's a big, it's a big series of things we're working on. And it's just funny how it turns from like kind of a small thing to yeah. now we're going to replace fireside. And I don't think I want to call it scope creep because it's kind of, well, it's been a dream of ours for quite a, a time now, but you, I think we're hoping to do this in little sections, but it sounds yeah. like it's all related. Yeah. It, that's exactly what the, the conversation has been is do we take it on in bits and do like phased approaches? The only problem is, is each time you do that, there's a lot of custom things we have to build just to support Fireside. Yeah. And Fireside doesn't have an API. What? So we have to like really build things. To, anyways, it's, it's complicated and it's long. But after we get through what we're working on now, we'll start really hitting the ground, I think, and work on that. But, you know, we keep having huge milestones and things like that that we're working on. What's your new updated sense of? when we might get to this dream that you've been having for quite some time. I don't know. Cause it's a lot of, it's a lot of think about, talk about plan for coordinate and then go. So it's hard to say, cause the mm -hmm. go part could be just a few days. It's, it's tough to, but the, all the other stuff could take a long time. I, I've lost sense of what it might take because it always is more than I would like or expect, but it is the reality of it too. Is it still worth doing? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, just yeah, checking yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, for me, the transcripts have been a game changer. Podcasts that have transcripts, it's even better than chapter markers because you can go right to the sentence and uh, that is so nice. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier to find stuff. I agree. And it's going to be a game changer for searchability and accessibility. And if so when you can get like that many different points, plus one of the things that we've noticed is when we start making more things available to our audience, more data, more API, more whatever, people start building stuff with it. Turns out they're great. So this is just going to be more of that. And there's a lot of features in there. So one of the other things too is, you know, people search and stuff like that. It's there's just a lot of possibilities. Yeah. I mean, I would just love to make sure that whatever you guys plan on building, we can either accommodate or enhance with the actual website build process as well, because that had always, I, I believe, been the dream is to make it to where you guys can easily integrate with all of your automated processes, um, be able to make easy modifications with something like a, a light headless CMS or something, and then uh, be able to just have things as automated as possible. So definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, you're, you're always in our thoughts and, and also the whole website team is in our thoughts when we're thinking about this stuff. We always are. That's always part of the conversation. It's tricky because like we, we have these moments after a show you know, or something like they're just kind of random. Uh, but that is absolutely part of the conversation. We need like a sprint or something. Hmm. Oh, wait. Well, right. what we need is like a, where we bring out, where we bring out people that are working on the website. Too. Not, <laughs> yeah. That would be so fun. Definitely a future thing, maybe a summer thing. All right. Uh, but definitely something to consider because that could be useful. Uh, yeah. And 
And when we're all done, the idea would be that where I just kind of at a high level, Elray, where I'm at is would be really great is we have kind of some extra metadata that we've added to our docs in a standard way, our show docs. And then beyond a couple of like submissions to GitHub where we like we post the doc or things like that, we don't do much else until Drew's ready. And then Drew publishes the flack file. And then there's a whole other series of events that kick off. And then when the files are done for the episode, there's, you know, a final series of events that kick off and it's all automated. No, there's no, once we, once we're done with the show doc and we publish it up to our, probably like a private GitHub repo or something like that, everything else is pretty much automated from that standpoint, with the exception of Drew has to upload the flack when he's done editing. And then everything else after that is automated. That's the goal. That's the dream. That's the dream. We have some uh, feedback that came in uh, that uh, you wanted to cover, Brantley. Oh gosh. Yeah, we do. And thank you for everyone. I, I, kind of plucked a few from the Linux Unplugged feedback because I thought maybe it was a bit more office-worthy. Okay. That's fair. Advait wrote in, I'm a tech newbie. After lots of fiddling, I got Albi working though, but it does not offer a way to send a message with my sats. What's the easiest way for newbies like me to send sats with messages to JB or Linux Unplugged? That's always the second part of the pitch. So think of Albi as kind of like a wallet that can be used by different lightning applications. And the podcast index is one of them. You can go to podcastindex.org. If you don't use Boost and Lightning, it doesn't matter. But if you do have Albi set up, you go to podcast index, you look at, you search one of our shows, and then you can boost with a message from there. Uh, otherwise, Albi is just kind of like a, a place to hold those sats that's available for web applications. Uh, but I think uh, they did actually manage to get it working, right? And this is, I want to mention, not super intuitive, not necessarily easy. And so don't feel bad at all if it's confusing. It it absolutely can be. Most paths into this are confusing. And these issues, like this this, this rough edges that we're, we're discovering, these are the things that us early adopters are helping work out to make this more accessible to like free software developers, to average users and things like that. So, you know, we're pushing on those rough edges. We're finding them and the teams are iterating unbelievably fast. Yeah, it's amazing. In just a year, we've seen Albi come along and make a lot of this much simpler. Yeah. Not, yeah. you know, not push button super yeah. easy, but f close compared to what it was a year ago. We went from no Albi to Albi now iterating on the design aggressively. Yeah. So Advait wrote in... Uh, with a little update. Hey! I got it working, I think. I sent you some small boostograms. I'm assuming they came through. I finally realized that the Podverse boostogram form automatically detects the Albi extension installed in my Firefox. I wish that had been spelled out or mentioned somewhere. Also, it wasn't made clear that I would have to confirm lots of sends to cover the cuts. That was confusing. Oh well, in any case... Looks like it's working now, so cheers. And P.S., I'm now making my list of questions hey. to boost to all of you, so get ready. Nice. Um, so what, what he mentions there about uh, the lots of prompts about the cuts, that's the splits. And depending on the implementation, the user will get prompted for every single split. Uh, most of the mobile apps have solved for this, and Albi can solve for this. One of the current workarounds is you can set a budget for the website for podcast index. You can just go set a budget and then it will not prompt you until you've maxed out that budget. So that's kind of a, a quick way to work around the prompts for the splits. I'm a little mixed on the splits. I have to say, I feel like we've had more boost issues since I've added more splits. Oh. One of them might be your node. We need to look into that. Yeah. I'm not a very good system in around my node. So we'll have to maybe, maybe Albie's the solution there maybe. for me. Yeah. We'll see. And, and and I'm not sure. One might be liquidity. We uh, we run out of inbound liquidity really, really, really quick these days. That's I, a good problem. Yeah, it is. But I basically got to stay on top of it uh, weekly, and I'm not <laughs> kind of slacking. So what happens is I'm on top of it like every two weeks, and by then we start running out of inbound liquidity. I think office hours might have suffered as a result. And then I try to go do my loops and stuff, and I, I have issues, so. It is what it is, but if you'd like to uh, open up a little inbound liquidity to us, the node is Jupiter01. You know, I was thinking maybe we could take this opportunity as well to describe the boosting process just a little better on our website. We do have a spot on our website that is jupiterbroadcasting.com slash boost. 
where we try to introduce the concepts, but they do change quickly. And I wonder if that's a little out of date or if we can oh. do a better job at just... Yeah, we probably don't even mention Albion there or anything, right? I don't think we do. Yeah. Yeah, it has changed a lot even since we've launched the website. Yeah. We also don't really mention that page at all to direct that folks That could to be it, a so. good way for people to contribute a little value back without actually having to send any sats or any membership stuff. It's just website stuff. It's all up on GitHub. Elray says we do mention LB on there. Okay, so. good. Good. Well, look at us. We were on we were on the leading edge then. Hey. We have a, an email from Patrick too, right? Yeah, I plucked this one as well from Likes and Plug because there's so much good feedback there. And I thought, what the heck? Patrick wrote in... Uh, I've been a listener since 2009 and a Linux Unplugged listener since episode one. Hey, nice. I like how the show has evolved over the years and I'm a a contributor as well. Linux user of some sort since about 1997. I have two things for you. Number one, please keep up the inside baseball discussions going on around podcasts and supporting the show. The discussions you had with listener Neil on the latest Linux Unplugged 499 was a very good one. It really helped to accentuate just how you just can't depend on ads these days. Direct listener support, as NPR affiliates do it, is a great way to go, and I support my local NPR station. Number two, sometimes I feel that the boosters are akin to the teacher's pet of the podcast, and the members are almost like a nice-to-have, but somewhat ignored unless they boost in as well. That's just my feeling, and I don't think you guys do that intentionally at all, but just something to watch out for. It is tricky with the members because there's not like a, uh, there's not like the same feedback mechanism that the boosts provide. Because the boosts, one of the things that I think seems to be the most successful, uh, are the boosts that are integrated into the podcast app. And while people are listening, they just press a button. It's super handy. And they send the message. And that's an open network. It's an open protocol. It's an open standard. It's not, and it's not something that Memberful, who is the backend infrastructure for our membership system, thought of. <laughs> And uh, when it all came out, I emailed them and uh, I explained the podcasting to those stuff and told them how I'd like their feeds to be able to support cool. this and the boost and <sighs> talk about out. just going oh, over no. their heads, just completely over their heads. They had no idea what I was talking about. And they gave me a bunch of boilerplate and I continued to push and I just basically got, you know, well, we're pretty happy with our functionality this time. We're not planning yeah. to do anything. And it's, it's it's really hard because that's the problem when a third party owns that relationship. And that's if I want to connect to the existing banking system directly, I have to go through a third party like that. And it really is a it's it's a hard thing because I would love to be able to just flip on boost and you know or something like that. And we've we've toyed around we would do like an experimental matrix chat room just for our members. But to be able to validate in real time if somebody has an active subscription while they're syncing to a matrix server and getting access to a room, I, it just doesn't work. Like the boosters get a higher signal, right? Because of the very mechanism in which they can uh, send in. So uh, inevitably, when we get our own feeds, we will boost enable the member feeds, but it's still not really addressing mm-hmm. what they're saying here. Um, and so I think a lot of it as kind of like, you mentioned the NPR membership system. It's a bit kind of like that, right? Like those NPR members are financing the ongoing production of the NPR programming. And then you have like other folks that are coming in and I forget what NPR calls them. They now just call them advertisers, but they used to call them the, uh, like a, a, a much, a much fancier term. I can't remember what it was, but uh, underwriters. Oh, yeah. Episodes would have uh, uh, individual underwriters, which were actually just like a rich person or company that would contribute money to that episode. And that's kind of how I see the boosters. And the underwriters, you know, get their mention in the episode, uh, usually multiple times. And uh, that's kind of the model I see developing. But I'd like to bridge the the difference in feature sets there, but I can't see that happening until we are generating all of those feeds on our own. And it may be that it may be, it may be we start with the member feeds. I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't really decided which direction to go there yet. So we shall see. But so what we, tr- we try to come up with some other perks for the members. Yeah. Well, quite a few, right? There's some stuff that members get across all shows that just don't appear anywhere else. So 
That's a funny thing. I, I I think it's a different relationship, really. Like, if you're a member, you get a certain subset of what we try to make special. And if you're a booster, well, that's a totally different type of relationship, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, like, we have the member feeds, mm-hmm. which are ad-free. But then, like, in the case of LUP, we have the live version, where there's often content in there that is just for the members. Sometimes it's, like, three hours or something. Right, but, I mean, like, even in that three hours... There's like things we're doing that are specifically for oh, the members. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of the discussions that we have outside of what you hear in the regular sort of public show mm-hmm. is extremely valuable stuff. Like I learned so much on either side of that quote unquote, you know, show. Mm-hmm. Which uh, but this that by is the way super valuable. Might be the conversation Patrick's referring to. It might not have been in the public. I I forget actually. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I don't think it was in the public. As a member, you probably listened to it. Yeah. Um so it's a you know, that's a different thing, right? Uh than the way the boosters get. Um, so you have that bootleg feed that we also like self-hosted has the extra post show. Coders, the Coderly, mm-hmm. right? Coderly yeah. report. So we can do those kinds of things as a thank you. Um, but well, it is, it is just not the same noise level. I wonder if this might be a question around, um, like recognition because with boosters, we mention their names and, mention their ideas right away and everybody kind of gets noticed and for members they're just kind of the a bit more silent around what we mention on the shows but yeah. they are massively important to the right. whole production well again i think it's the the technologies involved mm-hmm. and the platforms involved um it, you know the more i think about it the more it feels like a failure in membership to innovate oh. a memberful to a failure in Memberful to innovate, right? Like this really feels like an area where Memberful could have come up with like the member bat line or something like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Cool. They could have. Sure. But they haven't. And that's really kind of frustrating the more I think about it. Or like now they could just implement the podcasting 2.0 spec. Now it's all there. And they just don't. Mm. And this inevitably always happens. It always happens over and over. I mean, we're dealing with this with Fireside right now too. There's right. not, not this type of issue, but different types of issues. <sighs> It's like, do you got to build everything? Do you just Is that what it is? Do you just, it sounds like that's the theme here for us. Do you just have to build everything yourself? Is that what it comes you down fix to? Fix your own car, build your own podcasting network, buy your own cow, I guess. Four score and seven boosts to go. So Nomadic Coder came in with 5,555 sats. I've been listening since the third episode of Office Hours, and it's become one of my favorite shows. <laughs> wow. Wow. Really? That's incredible. Is that true? Uh, Can that be this little old show? You know, I was reflecting on that while this I was driving here. This grumpy old show. What? Well, I had nine hours to just be with my own thoughts. Which and what is a were your reflections? Thing. And one of my reflections was, what is this show even? I'm not sure I know what this show is. Like, I, I think maybe you and I have different ideas. You're on this the show. show. I know, but it's you're on the damn show. What do we do here? We're hanging out in my office, oh, yeah. talking about <laughs> relevant to the JB audience. That's well, what that's we do here, right? Fun. I, I just show up and we What have do you a good think time. we do? Well, Jeff, what do you think? Jeff, what do we do on the show, Jeff? What I think do? you summed it up pretty well. I think All it's right. just what a good you, outlet. What do you think? I think we just hang out with people we yeah. like hanging out with, and it turns out we have really interesting discussions around some of our favorite topics. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit, you know, a big part of it is uh, I think it helps us stay focused and rally around projects that we have going okay. on and organize community. And I think... I don't even know if the website could have happened. You know, it's, it's all part of it. Yeah. You know, it's all part of it. But even now, like when we're kind of where our focus has been on other things, we're still touching on these topics and projects, kind of keeping ourselves accountable. Kind of like if we were having a meeting in my office and just sort of updating on these projects. But of course, if we didn't turn it into a show, it would never happen. Um, Faraday Fedora boosts in with 9,999 sats. Hey, that's a nice one. How about that? I like that. Hey, Chris, I'm curious how value for value has reshaped Jupiter's income in the last year. Roughly, what's the percent in the network's monthly income from booths or streaming or members and sponsors, etc.? How would you compare that to pre-value to value? Of course, you don't actually have to disclose this if you don't want to. Well, I don't actually have the numbers, Faraday, so I can't actually disclose all of it. But I can tell you that our goal has been, uh, both with the booths and the memberships, is to get them to a point, and memberships are there, but to get the booths there to a point where they essentially make the income of a sponsor. Do you get what I mean? So if you have, say, a show has two or three sponsors, if one sponsor is covered by memberships, one sponsor is covered by boosts, 
then we have an option there in that third slot to either take a loss or to work with a sponsor that we actually think is really great that we don't have to work with, but we want to work with, right? Like, you know, your, your linodes and your, your tail scales, the ones that I'd sit here and ramble on about, even if they weren't sponsors, right? Like those are the ones I, I really like and appreciate. Like you guys know, I've been at some of our previous sponsors, like Ting, I've been a Ting customer for like a, a trillion, trillion years. And like, you guys know I've done IT. So when you have sponsors like Collide that have like a product that I actually would deploy, there's like certain times that I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk. But it's probably a 90% rejection rate at this point. I reject probably 90% of the offers that come in. Oh, we got that mattress one. I was interested. <laughs> and so, and, and I really like that balance because it's to me, each one is like a different income stream. That's fairly unique because the early JB model was a little bit vulnerable to particular, like we got rug pulled once by Amazon affiliates. That was really bad. And, uh, when I got divorced, we had a massive exodus of Patreon because people who don't even know the story were just upset that I dare get a divorce a hundred years ago. And so we had like a massive hit in crowdfunding when that wow. happened. And so it's like not everything, even crowdfunding is, has its vulnerabilities. Um, so it's, to me, it feels safe to kind of have these as many diversified sources. I think my biggest regret is that, um, I have a horrible swag game, just a really, really, really crappy swag game. And as a result, we don't have like a, a swag, a swag arm to that game. Um, and uh, when we do swag, it usually ends up being a cost or at least a ton of effort and work and never as straightforward or simple as I'd like. And so this, but I love doing swag and I wish I could make it one of those. And maybe even one day just say these shows just don't have something, you know, this show here doesn't even have sponsors, just, you know. It's completely audience funded. Perhaps, but um, perhaps this is not the year. Uh, plus, you know, there's an, inevitably there's always going to be a balance for the right show, right? Like some shows maybe are better audience funded and maybe some shows aren't. I don't know. I, I, I So I always kind of leave that door open. I don't have any specifics there, though. Good old Gene Bean comes in mm. with 4,096 sets. The 4096. I says, I know you're using Whisper right now. But have you considered using Otter, where it joins like a meeting or a call that you're in, say like a podcast being recorded and can transcribe in real time? That is fancy, man. Yeah, when we very, very, very early on started thinking about how we were going to do all the podcasting 2.0 stuff and transcriptions, I played around with Otter. And uh, otter.ai, I think is what it is. And it's pretty slick. Oh, yeah. Like you said, it has that feature, but it also does speaker recognition. Ooh. So it breaks out, if it to the best of its ability, it breaks out all the individual speakers. And then you go in and label this one, Chris, this one, Wes, this one, Brent. And it just applies it throughout the entire document. And then it can get export out to a standard transcription file. It seems to be fairly accurate. And it's what they do. So I'm imagining they're going to update it pretty frequently. <laughs> right. So it's a really, really, really nice feature. However, it's proprietary. Mm. You can't self-host it. Oh. And it's very expensive. Oh. So Whisper seems to be pretty damn good, produces the results that we want with enough accuracy, and we can self-host it. And there's even out there with the one we're running, a Whisper CPU-focused right. one. So we can, you know, run it across lots of cores, and we get absolutely fantastic performance. Uh, you know, we're crunching through hour-long shows in under 15 minutes. Easy. On the CPUs. So... Pretty happy with it, but I really do think Otter is a great product and definitely worth considering if you want something a little simpler and straightforward and you just want to get down to a good transcription and don't want to mess around with Web Whisper or anything like that. Otter AI is pretty good. How do you think we say this next one, Brentley? I R Wayne. Oh, I R Wayne, you think? I don't know. That's a one go at it. I he's, he, sends, he sends in a thousand sats. I've actually used my pine power to diagnose bad ports and USB cables a lot. Mm. It's a bit of an art, but it's fairly straightforward to find out if a PD or high watt USB 3 cable is not working correctly with your device. Just with this nice little handy info screen. Not to mention, I'm always 100% sure of a at a location if it has a reliable USB charger or not. Jeff, you got a cool little item over there. You got a cool tool that tells you like the USB voltages and whatnots too, right? Yeah, you can get them pretty cheap on Amazon or anywhere else. 
and uh, they can tell you the voltage if it's PD, you know, the 20 volt, 12 volt, 9 volt, 5 volt, all the way down. Uh, they tell you the amperage and then do the math and give you the wattage. They can also do some resistance testing. And the one I got is kind of cool because it's got different ports. So I can actually use it as an adapter if my only cable is USB-C and I need type A. That's super handy. Uh, Jeff, we did use it to diagnose a problem on one of your laptops. Yeah, well, I my uh, USB charging game is not great. And I wasn't sure because it's not specified on my model if it can charge uh, via USB-C. And the charger I have at home that's supposed to do PD, that's supposed to be able to charge, just doesn't. So, yeah, we used it today with your charger and it or a couple of days ago and it worked great. Yeah, I bought a new charger and uh, I'm solving Jeff's problems too. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, I like the Pine Power though. I will say it does seem like to me the Pine Power would be better on the desk. It has your plug-in devices in, and the and the one that Jeff has is way more portable. It's just a little dongle. You can plug it into anything. Yeah. But they both look look really solid, and the Pine Power one is on sale right now. Well, at least that's what they claim. $37.99 U.S. greenbacks. If is it interested. just always on sale? <laughs> Surprised. So we got, uh, would, how did we decide we are going to say? Uh, yeah. I say Advait, but Advait, this yeah. particular booster has, in the past, recommended how we should oh um say and i totally forget well so we apologize. got your we got your test boostagram we got it he says it's a busta boost thank you very much <laughs> scott boosts in with a thousand sats chris is an incredible rundown of monero and bitcoin's differing strengths last episode monero is one of the very few cryptos that we can probably call a sibling of bitcoin one day we'll probably have an economy that runs on both of them but i agree that we need what we need right now the most is transparency and trust Monero will have its day in the sun. Yeah, Scott, that's pretty much how I see it. I think whenever you have uh, privacy and, and you, whenever you have security, people are going to think Monero, right? That's a pretty good brand association. So that's definitely going to help it out in the future. Uh, I think when people think of savings and long-term money, I think they think of Bitcoin. And uh, the chairman of the SEC, Gary Gensler, just this week, said for like the fifth time that all other cryptocurrencies except for Bitcoin are a security. I don't know if he'll be right. I don't know how far he's going to take that, but I think it's, you know, probably going to result in anything that's proof of stake is a security and anything that's proof of work, if it's fairly distributed, is a property, um, is a commodity. So I think when we look at a future where we use a common internet money to fund media production, online content, software development and things like that. I think it's likely going to be sats. Alex Gates comes in with a thousand sats regarding your discussion in episode 23 with subscriptions via sats. Dave Jones and I have come up with ways to add payment required types of items, which would open up a web view, um, return tokens that would be auth headers, but there just didn't seem to be much interest mm. at the time. Well, we might change that. Yeah. I wonder, like I noticed there's a couple of things that Alex and Alex, who is the podcasting tutorial consultant, and Dave Jones, who is the podcasting sage, the pod sage. I wonder, I think maybe they're just ahead. You know, like if you're intimately familiar with a new with a new set of technology, you can pretty quickly take it to its ultimate conclusion. But when you have slow organic adoption and people are just coming around to these ideas, it's going to take people so long to wrap their noodle around pod ping. <laughs> you know, it is because it's been... Client goes and pulls an XML file from an HTTP endpoint, pulls down an entire XML file, parses XML file every few minutes, right? I mean, we're, and we're talking about something that's way more organized, slicker than that, and it's going to take people a long time. There's just concepts in here, and the boosting is going to be one of them. Some people are going to get it right away. It's going to take other people a while, and it's just, I think, I think you were a little early, Alex. But I think a lot of these ideas can just be kind of, shelved temporarily until the right time comes then what you get to do alex is you get to dust them off in like two years and be like hey look at this i solved the problem what right genius. of course the annoying thing is in the meantime is you're gonna hear you're gonna see and watch other people try to come up with solutions and solve the problem like they just thought of it that's tricky what do you think boy should we wrap it up we could I you got some, like... you guys got some headlights to replace oh i thought we were done with <laughs> no come on you gotta get those headlights swapped out you okay. know it. you already have the headlights yeah, they're in. Well, no. let's call my. What would you call my backseat? Um, a second house. <laughs> I like to call another it living quarters. <laughs> my 
storage for yeah, emergencies. Yeah. yeah, your shed. Well, it's your shed. Your back seat's your shed. We did find some lumber yesterday that and, we needed. Back and there. a shovel and like some sort of emergency outfit. Uh, uh, lumber, lumber was in there as well. An umbrella. Yeah. Oh boy, the biggest umbrella I've ever seen. I think, at least in person. Yeah. <laughs> that it being a comic umbrella. I don't have passengers very often. It seems. <laughs> no kidding. I hadn't noticed. Well. All right. That's it for us. Office Hours is over. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. See you next time. <laughs>